Jesus. When I first uh, felt this message in prayer a few weeks ago and uh, sat down and started trying to get it on paper a little bit, and I recognized that I had three points, and, and after a while I thought, well, I don't want to, Lord, I, I don't want to get scattered all over the place with three Three points that each one seems to be so, so much there. So it ended up the Lord allowed us to spend three different messages here about misunderstanding God. And uh, we're going to look at this again. And this was really the heart of where we felt this was going to go. And I hope it's a blessing to somebody. You know, I come to church and I look for people. and I'm so glad to see you here. And uh, I know you come hungry for the word of God. And that's important. But, uh, you know, sometimes people aren't here and I think, oh, God, I, I want so much for them to hear this. I want so much for them to to experience this. I know. But God's got something for you. He knew who was going to be here and he's got something for you. Amen. For me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for God, the truth of your word. God, in a day so full of lies, so full of God, manipulation and deceit. God, you told us in your word these last days would be dangerous, perilous times, seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. God, help us, I pray, to focus in through your spirit on your word that it would, God, make us free and lead us in righteousness. Bless each one, God. I pray for your anointing today. Lord, that it has to be so much more than just a head knowledge of truth, but Lord, that it would be anointed, that your spirit and your word would work together and, Lord, plant it deep in our hearts that we would be doers of your word. We love you, God. We praise you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Job 1, verse 1 says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. That man was a perfect, was perfect and upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. Drop down to verse 6. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered, my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? God bless you. You can be seated. We're talking about misunderstanding God today. And I recognize if I could spend just a little bit of time, our focus isn't on the enemy. But we're not ignorant, the Bible says, of his devices. We need to recognize how he works and what he does in order to be able to fight him effectively. Had a good talk with brother here just a few days ago and realized that there's a lot of people in, I don't know whether they kind of got their ideas from Hollywood. You know, that happens a lot of times. You say, oh, I know what the Bible says about that. They start telling you, say, oh, I saw that movie too, but I didn't see it in the Bible. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I heard about that in some comic book somewhere, but that's not in the Bible. Right. You got to be careful where you get your information. Especially when it's talking about your soul. A lot of people, not only in the Hollywood movie industry and 
But I think there's a lot of folks that are playing games and trying to make some money and saying, oh, let me tell you, I wrote a book about about my experience and how I seen what hell is like. I've heard about a lot of those people say, hey, look at this for a while. Take check this out. Let me see. Uh, Let me see what you think about that. Many, many times you have this idea that Satan is a king. He's a ruler in hell. He's down there on a throne. You know, a lot of the rock stars and musicians, they say, I'd rather reign with a devil in hell. Devil's not reigning in hell. All those demons that are torturing the, the, the souls of the lost and, and dragging them around and peeling the flesh off their but The demons aren't reigning in hell. The Bible says God has prepared hell. For the devil and his angels, he doesn't want you to go there. He, he's nev- it wasn't his plan to make hell for people that were lost. He made that for a place to torment the devil and his angels, his, those that he deceived and drew out of heaven and into, into his. And the Bible says, until that day, we can see it right here. Where, are, where were you, Satan, today? Oh, I was walking around. Roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour, it says in the New Testament. I was uh, checking out things on the earth. And in this point right now, he's coming up into the presence of God, making a report. And what does God say? Hast thou considered my servant? The devil accuses the people of God daily. He'll stand before God and say, he doesn't deserve mercy. You're right, but I've given it to him, devil. You're a liar. Oh, look at how he failed you, but look at how he got back up again. You're a liar. Amen. The devil's not going to reign in hell. The devil's not in hell. But he will be cast into the lake of fire. And he will suffer and he will be tortured in those flames with all those that followed his lies. Whether they be powers and spiritual principalities or whether they'd be foolish, foolish people that rejected Jesus and said no time and time again to the mercy of God. I want to tell you something here we're going to get back to. It's not God's will that any perish. The Bible tells us that God was bragging on Job. God had a hedge around Job. And when the devil wanted to fight against him, he had to get God's express permission. And even then, God said, there's a line, but I'm going to tell you something. I've got a plan for him, and you can't mess it up. I think too many times we get this idea again somehow that God stays up all night worrying about what the devil's trying to cook up. Worried about how the devil's going to fight it. He's kind of like a like a some of the, the cults that are in the land today. They call themselves Christians, but they get this idea that uh, Jesus is kind of, a, uh, or the devil is Jesus' brother, and, and he just kind of went a different way, and they're always at odds with each other. That's pagan. That's kind of that yin and yang kind of garbage and has nothing to do with what God says. God's got the devil on a short leash. God's got a purpose and a plan. And a limited time for him to do what he has to do. But we read to you later on in this first chapter that when trouble and trials start hitting Job, one of the servants escapes and says, hey, let me tell you something. The fire of God, God's burning us all up. God wasn't burning them up. God wasn't destroying them. 
God does not have a plan to destroy, but to save. God doesn't have a plan to take. That's the enemy that steals, kills, and destroys. But God's come that you might have life. And that more abundantly. I want to tell somebody this morning about God's, God's real plan. And how so often in pain and disappointment and trouble that we face, sometimes we misunderstand God. And that's easy to do. He's, a, he's an amazing God. His ways are so far above our ways. Amen. That's why we, we've quoted the scripture several times, even heard it in testimonies. Uh, Trust the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Because his ways are so far, as far as the heavens are from the earth, are his ways to us. Amen. Amen. I want to turn to Genesis, the second chapter, and talk about this a little bit. Talk about the plan of God. Genesis 2. More than just once or twice, I've had people come to me with, with a question. And like this poor servant that was all mixed up and upside down in his perception, if you really know what the word says, if you really take some time and, and, and look at what God's given us, he said, well, you don't have to be confused. Oh, there's so many mysterious things about God. He works in mysterious ways. Well, every time I see the word mystery in the Bible, it talks about him revealing mysteries. Right. Amen. Yeah. He, you're his child. He's not going to leave you in the dark for very long. You seek him. If you lack wisdom, ask. He said he'll give it to you liberally. Let me tell you something about Jesus, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. When he saw somebody blind, he opened their eyes. So when you feel like you're scrambling around in the dark, God knows how to just give you the light. And he will. He will. Amen. What you're facing, what you're going through, God sees all that, and he cares about you. Genesis 2, verse 19, or 16, rather, I'm sorry. You see up to this point, God creating his spirit is moving, his word is speaking, and God is just filling a, an earth with, with life. And it's good. Amen? Amen? When God does it, it's good. Yeah. Bible says in verse 16 of Genesis 2, The Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in that day thou eatest thereof. Thou shalt surely die. I am giving you dominion. You're going to rule over my creation. I'm letting you name those animals. I'm blessing you with the best of the best. But I'm giving you a choice. And I'm planting this tree and I'm telling you, you have everything you will ever need but stay away from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. What people are saying that misunderstand God so often is, oh, I see what's going on. You're going to follow this so blindly, but I know what's going on there. I see what God did. It's a setup. <laughs> it's a setup. He put that temptation right there. And he knew he's God. He always knows he knows everything. He knows the end before it ever even starts and gets off the ground. He knows we're weak. He knows we make bad decisions. And he put it right there. 
And he knew we were going to choose it. He knew that sin was going to enter in. And now people are going to hell because they were set up. My answer to that kind of misunderstanding of God has kind of developed into something that kind of gets their attention. Sometimes the jaw drops. Sometimes their eyes look like dinner plates because I say, you're absolutely right. It was a setup. What? It was a setup. God gave a choice. And he was ready. I'll tell you what we were set up for. Not a failure. But we were set up to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to give you a choice. Because to really love and be loved, there can't be any, uh, there can't be no choice at all. So I'm going to give you a choice. But when I give you a choice, I've already got a plan to save you. I've already got a plan to rescue you. I've already got a plan to help you when you fall. Not only do I realize you need a choice, but you need to know I recognize you're weak. I recognize you struggle. I recognize you may make bad decisions, but I'm going to be there for you to cover, to save. Amen. Amen. The way it's told by many people, oh, see, he put sin right in front of them, kind of flaunted it in front of them, and they grabbed it like a, like a fish on a hook. I got you now. <laughs> now you're all going to be lost. No, no, no. One of my, just then I say one of the most amazing scriptures, I think, in the word of God, it talks about the lamb that was slain, talking about Jesus, the lamb of God, the sacrifice for sins. And in God's mind, in God's plan, in his purpose, see, because God's outside of time. You say, that's hard to understand. That's right, because we are, that's all we know. Try to figure out an infinite God that never had a beginning, never had an ending, that knows the ending. He gives us that free will, but he knows and has a plan and a purpose interwoven into all that. And the Bible says that the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. What does that mean? It means God already knew that he was going to be the redeemer of mankind. God already had a plan. Hey, I'm going to let you make your choice because I, I'm going to have a bride that I'm going to lavish with love and, and blessing for eternity. But I'm not going to make you go to heaven. I'm not going to make you love me. I'm not going to, I'm going to give you the choice. But listen, if you fail, I'll be there with redemption. I'll be there. I'm going to give you a choice, but I'm going to be there with compassion. I'm going to be there with, 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 a, with to let you see. Listen now. With a choice comes a consequence. Amen? But even though there's a consequence, the wages of sin is death, there's a gift of God. That is eternal life. A setup to be redeemed. A setup to see the mercy of God. A setup to see that when we fail, He's there to pick us up. Oh, you, you talked about hell, preacher. You're a hellfire and brimstone, preacher. Well, not any more than Jesus was. But can I tell you that God has a way to, to save. Amen. And it's not his will that any would perish. Amen. But he won't force you. I, I told somebody, well, I've told a few after that even. But I remember telling somebody, said, they said, I can't imagine a loving God sending people to hell. 
I said, I'll tell you what, God does everything he can to get you not to choose hell. You got to walk over mercy. You got to walk over the prayers of, uh, of loved ones and family members and mom and dad. And you got to say no and you got to fight and run. God's going to try to reach you and, and deal with you all your life. But he won't make you be saved. But think about this. When he gave you a choice, can you imagine something so silly? You can stay here and we're going to sing some songs. We're going to worship God. God's going to bless us. God's going to strengthen us. God's going to be a friend to us. Or you can go out that door if you want to. Now, let me tell you, when you walk out that door, we've made it so going out that door is the last thing you want to do. I mean, you can if you want to. It's your choice. But we've made it so miserable for you to go out that door. It's already cold. We're going to throw ice water on you. <laughs> We're going to take your coat away from you. We're going to hide your keys so you can't turn your, your heater on in your car. It's going to be so miserable if you go out that door. It's your choice. But staying here would be so much better. Now, you can be stubborn. Amen. You can be stubborn. You can be rebellious. You can't make. Nobody's making you. I'm not going to do it for you. I don't want you to do it for me. Amen. Oh, when I was little and I, I could. Yeah, my, my mom made me uh, live for God and go to church. Well, because she loved you. She probably made you take a bath occasionally, too. Amen. Probably made you just eat right. Because they loved you. But they knew all along you're going to have to make it. God gave you the choice and made the only other option of heaven and loving him and serving him so ridiculously bad. Why would you want to spend eternity suffering like he made the devil suffer? But yet the choice is yours. So there is. Is there a setup? It was a setup to show you that you have a choice, that there are consequences for choice, but that God has compassion for you when you fail and make the wrong choice. Because this scripture, if it says anything, it says that God is a merciful God. The righteous man falls seven times. But he rises again. Why? Because God's compassion fails not. Amen. His mercies are new every morning. You know what the Bible says about mercy? He delighteth in mercy. Somebody might ask you, what do you like to do in your spare time? God says, oh, I like showing mercy. If I, have, if I could do anything today, I'd like to show mercy. I'd like to be kind. I'd like to be compassionate. That's just, I love showing mercy to people. Amen. His mercy endureth forever. His mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. God's not trying to destroy you. Your battles, your trials... That you face aren't God's judgment against you because he is against you. No, not at all. It's his will to save you today. Turn to Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Let me tell you something about trouble, pain. I know a lot of people have heard a lot of preaching. I love every promise of the word. But every now and then somebody comes and says, well then, if God is so good and so loving, why so much suffering? Listen, read your Bible again. Read your Bible. It's a lot about going through trials in this book. 
A lot about facing things like valleys. We got a lot of different illustrative uh, ways of talking about trouble. <laughs> we got valleys. We got battles. We got storms. Amen. But God is the lily of the valley. He's the shelter in the time of storm. He's the fortress that we run into in the midst of the battle. You got to keep your eyes open for what God is doing in the midst of those things. And don't wonder why. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about say, well, you know, there's just no way we can understand sometimes the things we're going through. Well, Hebrews 12 verse five says, have you forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children? My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, what are we talking about? We're talking about punishment. We're talking about, about uh, you know, they, God knows how to take you over his knee. Right. Now, I know, I know there's been a lot of abuse in the world. I'm not, I'm still believe the Bible, no matter what kind of modern day. I think I saw something even this morning. People were talking about things that used to be okay, but now they're, now we know better. And one of them was corporal punishment. Well, the Bible tells us to teach our children. Amen. Spare not the rod. And we still believe in that. We don't believe in abuse. Amen. We believe in discipline. Bible loving discipline. And you know what? God believes in it. And he knows how to discipline his children. So sometimes you've got to endure chastening. Look what it says in verse 7. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? Remember how we were talking about the garden? God gave a choice but then showed there were consequences for bad decisions. But he was ready to, to redeem, ready to show compassion and mercy. Ready to, with a plan. That's, that's the heart of discipline. Isn't just smacking your kid when you had enough. Losing your temper. And that's, that's wrong. But being able to say, okay, I'm going to show you that bad choices lead to painful consequences in a controlled environment. And then I'm going to teach you, hey, Here's what we need to do next time. I love you. I care about you. This wasn't because I hate you. But if you go out in this world and you make bad choices, the world is not going to be as kind and compassionate as mom and dad. So that's the heart of of discipline, of correction. Amen. The Bible says God. Well, but if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons? That's. In the context of this, is not a curse word. Some people think that because the Bible uses the word bastard, they're free to just use it against anybody. That's not, that's not it. it, it it's talking about, about a child that's illegitimately born. That if you belong to your father in heaven, he's going to take good care of you. He's going to let people make bad decisions and do their own thing. If they, he's not their child, he's not going to correct them. So if you say, hey, look at me, I, I'm sinning. And God's not correcting me. He's still, no, well, maybe, maybe we got to look at how you were born again. Make sure it's a legitimate birth and not just a, an experience that made you feel a certain way. Because God will not allow you to keep on making poor choices, 
self-destructive lifestyle, but he wants to, he wants to teach you. Furthermore, we have had fathers after our flesh of our flesh, which corrected us and gave us, we gave them reverence. You ought to get to a place in your life where you say, thank God. Thank God. My parents don't let me run wild. Thank God. They teach me how to take care of myself and teach me how to, to be respectful and responsible. They, they want me to, to do well in this world because bad choices are going to lead to bad consequences. For they verily after a few days chasing us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chasing for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Did you know what that, that was in the Bible? There's a lot more good things in there. Talks about our own decision. Sometimes you say, oh, God, I don't understand why I'm going through this. Well, you all know when you look at somebody else, you say, well, I think I kind of, I could kind of give you an idea. Some of those choices you made that weren't just, God, I want your will to be done in my life. God, I know what I want, but you might just want me to have patience and, and, and some of those those old habits, some of those sins. God's, God's not excited about you take, making bad choices, and sometimes he'll allow you to face real consequences. Oh, God, I thought you loved me. I do love you, but, but sometimes I've given you the ability to make that choice. You make a bad choice. I'm going to not only allow you to receive the consequences for that, I might just go ahead and, and, uh, and punish you for it, but I've got a plan to help you. A lot of times, pain that we're going through, it's not God destroying you. You know, like a spoiled brat. You hate me. You can't stand me. Everybody else is doing it. Oh, why would you do this? Oh, it's terrible. You're killing me. Not killing you. Helping you. Teaching you. Teaching you and and I'll be there. Amen. I'll be there after the fact to to help you recognize. Next time we're going to do better. We're going to learn some things. and, And you're going to be... Uh, uh, better down the road you're gonna you're gonna know how to be a, a a responsible member of a family amen when you have your own family you're gonna be able to to hold a job and be respectful to people there and realize the world isn't all revolving around you amen so sometimes the pain that we're facing is exactly that it's god saying hey maybe you need to make better choices tomorrow so that it doesn't hurt so much when, when you stumble and fall from, from going down the wrong path. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Turn with me again to 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1. If God loved me so much, why does he, uh, you know, why does it seem like he's trying to destroy me? No, he's not destroying you. He's letting you... Sometimes face the consequences of your actions. But if you can't turn to him and say, God, teach me, lead me. He's going to love you. He's going to hold you. Listen to me. Some of you need to re- realize God's teaching you some things. Right. And if you don't get it, he may just let you go through it again and again until you do get it. Yeah. You know, thank him for it. Yeah. He'll just let you go on in a bad way. First right. Peter 1, verse 6. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now, 
for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptation. Sometimes people come to church weighed down. They're still rejoicing, but they feel that burden in their spirit because of the trials, the temptations that they're facing. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth. Though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something else about trouble, about some pain that we face. Sometimes it's those trials that teach us and purify us. Sometimes we're going our way. We we mean well. We've been doing well, but we get a little distracted. Things in this world start getting a lot more. Cares of this world, the Bible calls them. They're in the parable of the sower. The thorns that choke out the fruit. And God sees all that. God sees you're getting distracted with some things. And sometimes your prayers are just becoming routine. You're going through the motions. You pray, but you're not really really putting your heart into it. The, the word kind of slips away and, oh, we, we'll get it done. We'll try to pop, pick something out of somewhere and, and, and something that I can, I can say I read it and that's good and I, I always like that. But, uh, but it's not really what God's, really where God's got you. You've got a lot of other things on your mind and on your heart. Priorities are taking place. Sometimes things fall by the wayside. And sometimes the fires of trials and troubles We'll get us back, get our attention back. Right. Oh, I, I need God. <laughs> I need to pray. Uh, God says you needed to pray yesterday when everything was going well. You just, amen. I, I need to get in the word. I, I need to get serious about God. I need to get my, my priorities back in order. My perspective right where it needs to be, where the kingdom of heaven is the, the thing that I'm seeking more than anything. Amen. Sometimes God allows fiery trials to purify us. To bring us to higher heights. To realize our own weakness. Paul was a, just a, an anointed man. Paul was being used and he had great revelation of, uh, of, of, of the kingdom of God. Paul was, was being used greatly to establish churches as an apostle. And he got very transparent with the church in Corinth at one place and said, I've prayed. Oh, I've prayed three times. God, there's a thorn in my flesh. There's a message of Satan that comes to buffet me, to to beat on me. I'm in this battle and and God take it away from me. That 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 and God says, "Listen to me. I'm I'm helping you." Because in your weakness, a lot of people don't fall in the valley, they fall on the mountaintop. They start looking at themselves. After they've said for so long, I'm nothing, I'm nobody, and God is everything, and I need him every day. And then after a while, you start living like you don't really need him. You're not praying like you really should. You're not in the word like you really should. You're not close to him like you really should. You're not making clear-cut decisions to follow Christ instead of following what you want more and more and more. And then after a while, you start believing, hey, I got myself here. I'm doing good here. I really, and God said, I'm not going to let you be like that. I'm going to allow... Allow a thorn in the flesh to, to, to deflate your ego, right? Keep you from thinking I'm self-sufficient. I'm strong. Paul said, when I know I'm weak, when I realize how weak I am, that's when I have the strength I need. Trials teach us. Trials purify us. 
Sometimes we got to recognize, say, I don't understand why I'm going through this. Get close to God. Draw close to him. Maybe God's just working in you uh, uh, that test and that trial to, to let you learn to lean on him even more than you ever have. But one more scripture. Let's just turn with me. I don't have it in my notes. So turn to Romans, the eighth chapter. I'm sure most of you could at least quote it partially. Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that all things. I remember hearing a preacher when I was a young man. And God, I, I believe, used him to challenge me in a lot of ways. And it wasn't in a... I may bring it across in a way that sounds pretty tough, but it was a, it was a challenge I needed. He said, you know, I don't think everybody believes that that's sitting here today. Oh, how dare he question that I believe all things are working together for good. How dare he say that I, what I believe and what I don't. And he started dealing with so many of the situations and circumstances that we've been going through and trials and tests, things he didn't know about, but God knew. All things work together. Do you believe all things work together? If you did, you wouldn't complain so much. If you did, you wouldn't be so quick to, to, to give up so much. All, right. all things, we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Yes. God's not destroying you. Amen. He may be chastening you. He may be purifying and perfecting your faith. But I'll tell you something else. He, he allows us to face trials that he's got a greater purpose none, nonetheless. When Jesus prayed in the garden, he had to come to a place as humanity. Also divinity right there. All God yet all man. And he prayed as man. Never, not my will be done. Joseph was a was a young man with potential and promise who 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 it just seemed like everything went wrong, but God had a plan in every step of the way. God had a purpose. God saw down the line that there was a famine coming and Joseph is the man to put in a position. And God didn't just say, Hey, send the messengers by uh his dad's place and get all the brothers out of the way. He's going to the palace, but he had to go to the pit first. He had to go to the prison house first. Amen. He had to be lied about first. But then God put him in the palace. Amen. There was a time where Elijah was being taken care of, even though everybody was starving in a famine. And one day the, the brook dried up. He could have got mad at God. He could have said, woe is me. Nothing ever goes my way. Everything's always wrong. No, God just said, this, time, this, this, is, this has been good. We got something down the road for you to do. We've got a, a, a widow down here that is going to, she needs a miracle, and she's going to, in her miracle, bless you. So the ravens aren't going to come feed you the way you're used to. I'm going to get you out of what you've become comfortable with because i got a greater purpose that's going to affect other people. Can I tell you something? People's testimonies of amazing supernatural forgiveness that have blessed me and helped me find Mercy and forgiveness in my heart. For me to learn that lesson, I've had to 
that person had to be hurt very badly and overcome that for me to learn that lesson through their testimony. Sometimes patience. Oh, we don't want to learn patience. If we do, let's do it quickly. (laughs) Patience. How do we... Testimonies that I've heard of, of people getting through the trial. Had to face the trial. Testimonies of miracles, of overcoming. You don't overcome without a battle. So, so many different things like forgiveness, patience, overcoming power. They are taught by facing great adversity. And we sit back and say, I don't understand why I'm going through all this. I don't understand. What's God teaching you? What's God, what's God trying, what are you learning in that? Sometimes it's, it happens in, when we're crying. Sometimes it happens with tears that we're learning. We're drawing closer to God. We're learning about perseverance. We're learning about faith when things come against us. It doesn't come easy. We have to exercise faith. And what I believe is not only those lessons that we learn through suffering, forgiveness, patience, overcoming power, and so many more. God may not only have you learning that, but he may have you be able to come to a place where you're teaching it. Where somebody is hearing your testimony when you're saying, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done in me. I want to be in a place where no matter how the storm blows in my life, God keep purifying me, teaching me, leading me. I want to I wanna know uh, everything you want to teach me. And I want to be able to help somebody who's struggling. I want to be able to help somebody who's hurting. I came, I don't know why, a certain, was driving a certain place. Sister Carmen, I think, is downstairs and... I remember the day that her husband passed. and Before he was pronounced dead, he had an aneurysm, young man. And we, we sat with Carmen and some other people from the church there in a neurotrauma unit. Uh, medical malpractice, just flagrant negligence that they put him out the night before. A headache that he couldn't even get to his car without help. They dismissed him. And the next day, that headache uh, was a stroke. We sat in that neurotrauma unit and cried till there were no more tears to cry. Prayed, sang to God, and cried out to God for help and hope. And, and I remember a young preacher, friend of the family, came in. At this time, it was just one of the hardest things that, of course, Sister Carmen had ever faced and, and, and one of the hardest things most people will ever face. And, and this young preacher came kind of strutting into the neurotrauma unit, chewing gum. <laughs> said, I got a word from the Lord for you. Went into one of the epistles of Peter. I don't remember exact words. And now all hope is gone. And he started kind of feeling like he was ministering the spirit. And I walked up as sensitive as I could be and put my arm around him while he was still with his Bible open. I said, buddy, thank you so much. And I started kind of 
working him toward the door. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming by, and your prayers are so, so come on, so important. <laughs> you keep praying, buddy. You know, sometimes if you haven't hurt, you can be pretty useless. Right. If you haven't cried, yeah, right. you know, Job's friends were real. You know, they did pretty good at first. They kept their mouths shut. They were just there sharing the pain. But after a while, they had some things to say. And none of it was was too encouraging, was it? Right. You know, Job, you lost all your children. You, you got boils from your head to your toes. Uh, I'm sure you did something wrong. You probably aren't even receiving half of the judgment that God really would give you. He's been so good, hasn't he? And that's where people can be very, very cold and insensitive. Yeah. And sometimes God's molding you in in the fires All right. oh, yes. because his compassion. Right. Sometimes it's not as easy to come by when everything's going your way. Right. What he's going to teach you is what he's going to use you. Yeah. And when people know that you have some scars in your life and people know that you've hurt and you've cried and that kind of bleeds through and you feel the love of God and it's more than just a arrogance that knows the Bible and feels like God's laid some of, but, but that you can share what's God teaching us today. I'm telling you, God's not looking to destroy you in your hurt. God's got a plan for you and a purpose in that to learn and to grow and to, to be a help and a blessing to someone else who's hurting and needs somebody to give them hope. Let's bow our heads in prayer. God's plan is so much bigger than what we realize sometimes. God's purpose is, is so much deeper than we recognize. He's teaching us sometimes. Don't, don't lose hope. Somebody that's feeling the, the pressure the most here today. Someone who's really knows what it's like to, to hurt. Listen. God's brought you this far. Don't stop here. Keep on learning. Keep on growing. He's not destroying you. Say, God, where are you? Where are you in this? He's, he's, he's right there. I read this morning in the book of Job how Job at one place he said, I, I look to the left. He's not there. I look to the right. He, I don't know where God is. God's there. When his ways are far above your ways, he's going to teach you. He's going to lead you. He's going to show you just how compassionate he really is. He cares about you. He always has. And he'll never leave you. Pain and suffering, trials and tribulations. Sometimes at a modern church day where we are so rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing like the Laodiceans of Revelation. We wonder why there's pain and trouble. But listen, God's faithful even in the valley. God's faithful even in the storm. Paul was able to stand up in the midst of that Eurachlodon storm in the book of Acts. They said, sirs, I believe God. God's looking at your situation, your circumstance. That when everybody feels all hope is gone, that you have learned He's not done with us yet. He's still working. Let Him teach you that. And let Him use you to be a strength. 
a help when things seem hopeless. Let's all come and find a place to pray. Let's talk to like you you want to that's when you seek him that's when you seek him and he'll be found of you sometimes he doesn't do things the way you expected but he's God and he's got a purpose and a plan for good oh hallelujah when you feel you're at your weakest that's when you look up and recognize it's his strength that's been leading you and holding you all along. Don't ever believe that his plan. I've heard people say already, oh, I just feel like I'm cursed. No, you're not cursed. God cares about you. It's his will to rescue and redeem you. To work in you and to work through you for his glory. Let's all stand. God, thank you again. Thank you again for your mercy, your kindness to us. Thank you for loving us, Lord, more than we even can comprehend. Bless your people now, I pray, Lord. God, just lead us and teach us, perfect us in you. Lord, we ask you to just bless 
the service tonight. If you tarry, God, have your way. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Praying for you.